As an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance, and their successes or failures. But there's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James, and welcome to Dev Diary, a series explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Jed Dawson, current director of games at Screen Queensland. So join us as we explore his journey. So today I'm joined by Jed. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, great. Thanks for coming aboard the show. We've been back and forth for a little while, but I'm I'm thrilled that we've made made this all work out. It's it's early evening for the both of us, and I'm keen for a really cool chat. Yeah, sorry it took so long to oh, um, organize. It's you know I've been working on secret stuff, um, but enough of that is not secret anymore that we can have, have to talk about it. But don't worry, listeners, even the stuff that is secret, he's going to spill the beans throughout the course of this show. I have no doubt about it. Yeah, I can already tell you. Uh, your, Those probing questions, right? Uh, your detective skills, you're just going to break me and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spill the beans. So. Oh, just cause I th- this is only because I threw you off with what I knew of your career beforehand. Uh, don't worry, your, the se- yeah. your secrets are safe. I'm, sh- I'm shaking already. It's, I'm <laughs> this close to breaking, just ask. <laughs> so this is Dev Diary, a series where we talk to developers from throughout the industry. They share their stories, their experiences, and the journey that has led to this current point in time. Now, there are some really, really fascinating titles that you've been involved with, projects that you've been involved with. But before we get to all of those, I actually wanted to rewind to a point that's even set well before your actual game development work and just talk about some of your first gaming experiences, I guess, as a consumer, maybe when you were really young. Do you recall what the first game was that you ever played or what some of the first games were that you ever played? Um, yeah, I remember being so young, um, well, me and my brother were so young and bad at games. We were trying to play Might and Magic 4. Nice start. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, we were so bad that we literally shared the controls. So, um, I would be like on the the arrow keys walking us around and my little brother would be just smashing the S button for shoot. So. You do what you got to do, right? We didn't have we didn't have the brain capacity to to do both at once. So um, yeah, that was my first um, and and one of my dearest gaming memories. No, that's 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 an awesome start. And I, I don't think I've heard Might and Magic kind of crop up in one amongst those very first games to have played. So I mean, I'm I'm a fan of some of those titles. So you, you start off in a fantastic place. But how did your taste kind of develop from there as you as you grew up? And I presume got more exposure to different platforms and genres and franchises. Was there anything that you really attached yourself to or gravitated towards yeah i mean there's a couple that um are quite important to me uh i remember my, the first time i i did an accidental all-nighter you know when i look out the window and it's like oh the sun is up um <laughs> that, that was warcraft 3 frozen throne um just playing one of the many custom maps that were in that was in that um, I mean, a lot of people have fallen victim to that one over the journey. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's some of those maps. I think it's still a goldmine of of just addictive little little games. Um, so I love that one. Uh, I've been playing Rocket League. I realized for like yep. six years. Oh yeah, uh, from from day one. Yeah, like I used to play that back in the office with with my coworkers when I was at Halfbrick. Um, 
I do the breakfast the other night. I have Tuesday night game nights with with uh, my brother and my best friend. Um, Very nice. Still, still horrible at Rocket League. Feels like um, after after eight years of it, six six, six or eight years, I can't remember. But um, yeah, those those two games have been the big ones. Look, I can feel you on the being horrible at my. Uh, sorry, not a micro. A Rocket League uh, thing. There, we we had a charity stream on the Player Two side a couple of years ago. I guess pre-pandemic at this point, um, and we got a friend of the site, uh, Tom Koshi, to come across and join. Well, not physically come across, but jump in for a Rocket League match, mm. and we thought we were all doing okay. Yeah. He was playing remotely until he sent us the recording of how he went afterwards where he revealed that despite the fact that he was beating us he was doing so using rocket uh, sorry um rock band drums <laughs> not not a traditional Ow. controller he was he that was beating is, us by uh, tapping the things on the like yeah, that was quite demoralizing oh uh, yeah he made um like a decision to do some psychological warfare that day yeah like, i'm going to absolutely break them <laughs> he fought the fight and he broke us so not too impressed by that was there a was there a game at all, or even a series of games or experiences that maybe prompted a pursuit for you into the industry itself? Um, geez, not really. Um, the collection of the overall. Yeah, I just kind of yeah. I kind of tumble into it almost. I I was I graduated high school. I had really mediocre grades um, because I spent all, all my time playing games at home. Mum was like, "You got to study something." Um, so yeah, I just went to a, a tape course, um, and did a degree in digital media games at Southbank Tape. Yep. Um, and yeah, it just sort of went from there. Um, I, so I, I didn't even, I wasn't one of those people who, you know, just had the passion and was like making maps or like making mods. Um, I just fell into it and it, and it was, and it was right for me. Yeah, I mean, I guess you may not have necessarily had that kind of really deep-rooted passion there, but at the same time, you, you're obviously talking about, how, like, you got into it pretty early. Like, you, you knew what you wanted and you chased it still, mm. um, which is, I guess, like, we hear plenty of stories of people who might have started in another profession, uh, I guess some of the, the older hand within the, in the industry, and I don't mean that in a derogatory sense to those people, but those who, you know, for a while didn't even realise that games were an option. Like, they, they knew they existed, but it was kind of this mythical thing out in the distance that... Mm. I guess the the penny hadn't dropped. I can do that. Whereas in your case, and obviously the um, the nature of the the industry is a bit different um, at the point that you would have been coming in, but like you knew that this was still something you wanted to be a part of, and you and you chased that from early on, which is which is quite cool. Yeah, yeah. It's um, you know the, the the industry. You're right. Was at a place where I saw the ad on a bus, and I was like, oh, I can I can study games, um, and so I did. And 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 mum, I think was just happy to get me out of the house. <laughs> Funny about it. It worked. It worked uh, in both both ways. No, that's that that's really awesome. And mm. so you've gone through your, and completed your tape studies, and and mm. everything's looking really well. How did the opportunity? And we're going to start to kind of jump into that career now and the the various steps along the way. How did all roads lead to Screws Tape Studios? Your first starting point. Yeah. Okay. So, gosh, um, I think it was after. Doing so after that degree, uh, sorry, the diploma, I did an advanced diploma, yeah. Um, and I think maybe Meg studied there as well at some point, or was like a guest lecturer or something. Meg is, is amazing and, and engages in the community a lot, wouldn't surprise me. 
Um, and then, no, yeah, Meg's I, fantastic. Yeah. Meg Summers um, for anyone uh, listening, a previous guest. Yes. Uh, and so they brought me on as like an intern, very, very light intern. Um, I remember it was so early days for screw tape that we met at like in, in the QUT library. Um, and yeah, I just did up some, some really tiny little art icons. At that point, I really wanted, I wanted to be an artist for games, yep. 3D artist. Um, I think I was kind of fascinated by the magic of, of 3D and just creating something from nothing. Um, and so, yeah, I did that, I did that internship. And then after that, I did, I started studying animation at UT. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I've, I've kind of got listed like Mondo motion there where you were doing some animation work as well. Um, mm-hmm. and like I, I saw a little link to a, a video there that you'd helped, um, create for a, for a band there, which was, which was really quite cool. And mm. as you might tell throughout the show, I've basically been trawling through your LinkedIn. Um, yeah. that'll help, that kind of helps connect some of these dots, but like what, what was that experience like? Because uh, things like, for example, a video clip for, for a song is, well, it's not at all games. Yeah. So, um, that is actually sort of my, my early year crisis video. Um, I, so I graduated animation at, uh, in QT. Um, and I was like, I'm going to move to Melbourne. I'm going to get a, a job. Um, I'm going to get one of those animation jobs that are they're all down in Melbourne. Um, and if I go down there, I'm just going to get one. Didn't really have much of a plan other than that. I, um, jumped in my car and I, and I drove down, uh, and slept in my car the first night. I had like a, yeah, I know, I was a real go-getter. Um, woke up that morning and so unimpressed by the sleeping in car experience that I just got on my phone and found like a housemate back row. Um, it was a yes, little- so you, you pivot these things fairly fast, especially, I mean, I'm not, not sure what time of the, the year you actually came into Melbourne, but we can get pretty bitterly cold down here sometimes. Yep, yep. Um, so yeah it was not great i think i came down around march yeah uh, no, it wasn't yeah, the worst then i did my birthday which is the mid-march and then um yeah i like left the next day we had a party yeah, and right. um so yeah leading right into winter um oh, i was not prepared for that winter um <laughs> So yeah, I, I, I like sent out my application to places, didn't get any. Um, I have a friend who's in a band, um, Twin House, which is the band that I made with Love, Jack, Love Shack, yep. which is the, the music video. Um, and I just spent like the next couple months hanging out in cafes with my laptop, animating it. Um, came up with the concept myself. Um, and I had sort of created that, um, shadow puppet animation style in 3D in my final project with QT. And I loved it, so I just kept doing more of that. Um, and then, yeah, I, 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 I made that video. Um, didn't get a job, um, got really sad, spent all my savings, and then moved back to Brisbane. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was going I did note like when I was kind of looking at the the timeline of things here. So yeah, Mondo Motion and then Melbourne and what you were doing there, and mm-hmm. then the next step was some tutoring and consultancy. But back at, back in Queensland, at Queensland University of Technology, when it comes to the tutoring, I'm like, okay, so yeah. how did that happen? So that that kind of explains that one a little bit. But at the same time, 
you know having work, done a bit of work with screw tape and you've you've had these animation experiences as well that aren't i guess they're industry adjacent in some ways um there, there's still a bit of value that someone like with those sort of experiences that someone can bring to then students still moving through their degrees or their courses or whatever so what was that like to be able to kind of impart because i guess in a way you're doing a little bit of that these days in your current role as well as kind of sharing insights and and providing consultancy there as well what was it like at that earlier point when you didn't have quite as many experiences as you do now um yeah so so you mean what was it like coming back and, and doing tutoring and that yeah. Sort of, yeah yeah so i mean that was that was great i i love tutoring and um so, so once I got back, um, I hadn't even been away that long. It was like three months in Melbourne. Um, came back, studied six months of law. I was like so done with the creative industry. So I was like, oh, I'm going to study law. I'm going to do the opposite of creative industry. Um, so I did that for six months. Did pretty well, but it wasn't for me. Um, and then I started my honours um, back in animation, but I did it in game design. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was in honors and I was pretty well known um, by my tutors and, and lecturers. So they gave me some tutoring work. Um, and yeah, the, the, I don't know if I imparted a lot of wisdom at that point. Um, I think most of my brain was like just consumed by trying not to be an idiot, um, obviously. I hadn't done probably still soak in a little bit too. Like you're still so early in the career at that point that you're still learning a lot as well. Yeah. Yeah. Not no, that you ever stop in this business, but no, I think no, you know what I mean. The last six months have proven that. But um yeah, it's uh it's you know, I was lucky that I was teaching stuff that was very technical. So it's like, oh, how do you use the three D engine for the first years? And I and I and I've been doing that for like the last two years of my life. So I I was pretty clear how to do that um and then they started giving me more classes to teach classes that were you know not software that i knew and had to learn which was really really useful um like uh after effects rah, rah, rah. and then some more um academic ones like um just contemporary issues in film tv yeah. um yeah so sort of easing me into more of the experiential discussion um classes which was good um i think only recently i've really gotten to the point where it's like i can kind of reflect on how i went from being a, a student to getting into the industry and being able okay. to impart that meaningfully um back then i was just like press that button and then this stuff this happens um so the difference yeah. in kind of that act of teaching yes yeah. yes just the kind of stuff I was teaching, like more teaching, less mentoring. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Um, and then from there, so yeah, again, doing some tutoring, doing some consultancy. And uh, then from there, Halfbrick comes along. Um, how did that opportunity to, to join up with Halfbrick emerge? Um, yeah, so I, I was basically just really strategic with my honors project. Um, I, I had a friend, Ben, who was in Halfwick already. He's an incredibly talented game designer. Um, and I and we'd studied together at Tate. Um, yep. and, and so I was like, uh, Ben, what are they what are they looking for? What do they want? Um, and he said this. And so I studied that. 
Um, okay, fair enough. Which was how to use data analytics um, for to like influence game design. Yeah. Uh, which was kind of at the time like the forefront of mobile game development. Um, so I did that, and I'd made a bunch of stuff creatively, and um, yeah, I got I got a job as a as a game design intern. Oh, very cool. And yeah. I mean, you got to work on the Jetpack Joyride Back to the Future update, which, mm-hmm. I mean, I think we've discussed this particular update with past guests as well, but I mean, Back to the Future is not a small license to be involved with. So, I mean, were you a fan of Back to the Future beforehand? I mean, had you consumed the films and yeah, been a bit across um, it? Or was there yeah, a bit of it, updating and upskilling involved? Absolutely. I like that was um, the first role where I was actually sort of the only game designer on the project. I'd done... Yeah three other projects at half brick before then as sort of like a just an extra hanger on uh, game designer yeah um but yeah this was the first one where i had to really knuckle in um and figure it all out um and it was thrilling um you know it was it was slow at points because you know any minor changes you had to send over to the states and then they would approve it or disapprove it and give feedback um yeah because of the license holder involved of course yeah and and that's just part of the contract that's just how it is um so yeah that was just kind of a a dream project to come on right away and i think it's still quite a popular one which is yeah uh, yeah you still hear it come up every now and then which is which is um, i'd imagine really quite cool hmm. yeah so satisfying um and i've still got a ratty old back to the future t-shirt that they have oh cool that okay you can't yeah you can't that, that's just that. That's a really cool takeaway from the whole thing, if nothing else, right? Yeah. No, I I, I have a really Merge. fun phrase of hanging over uh, our, our programmer's shoulder and and saying it needs to be more sparkly for the DeLorean sparks. Um, yeah. Okay. Right. Um, so yeah, it was, but it was great. And what were some of the things that you kind of learned? Because uh, you know there, there've been smaller experiences up to this point that you've had getting to spend a bit of time with Halfbrick there. What was some of the more valuable lessons you picked up from that time? From Halfbrick overall? Yeah, yeah, from the, yeah, that overall time at Halfbrick, yeah. Obviously, because yeah, you mentioned so, you worked on a few other projects too, so. Yeah, so Halfbrick, you know, um, it's, it's, it was a, it was a rocket for my career. Um, you know, I started off as an intern game designer and then, Six months in, they sort of transitioned me to a product manager. It was nine months, um, and then a, a year and a bit in, I was like a team lead um, yep. uh, for the prototyping for the, for the, uh, team. Um, so yeah, it was just a, a whirlwind. Um, a lot of production stuff. A lot of. Um, uh, like not as much game design as I as I had expected to be doing because yeah, okay. I moved into sort of like a bit of a, a leadership role, and so it was more telling um, Shane or, or the higher ups about why this game mechanic is going to increase um, daily active users and rah rah rah. Um, so yeah, but you know that it was my first professional game experience, and it was it was. Um, the people I met, like it's, are still some of my closest friends in the industry. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's, 
I mean, yeah, I've, I've spoken to a few people over the years that have come through Halfbrick at various different um, points and they've all spoken really, really highly about um, the, the titles they worked on, the people they got to work with, mm-hmm. and I guess how much of what they learned that they've carried with them onto that next chapter or next chapters, I should say. Mm. Yeah, it's um, I, I haven't experienced that anywhere else in any other job, the camaraderie. Um, it's so long lasting as well. You know, I went to like a, a, a drinks, like a, just a barbecue drinks uh, the other week and it was 90% ex Hartford people. It was oh, very they cool. Touch. They, they all go golfing together. They all go camping together. It's um, almost like a cult. It's the, the but in the best sort of awesome. way. Yeah. One of those good ones. So from working on the likes of Jetpack Joyride and, and several other titles there, Half Brick, we move on to a title that and and a studio that's uh, you spent quite a, quite a bit of time with uh, with Affable Games there and then Speaking Simulator. Mm-hmm. How did firstly before we I guess dive into the game and everything involved there? How did that time at Halfbrick ultimately come to an end and then ultimately begin this next next venture? Um, yeah. So Halfbrick came to an end. Um, they were offering a golden handshake. They wanted to downsize. Um, they just, you know, had more people than they had money coming in, um, which happens. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, you know, I just decided to, to, to take it, um, and sort of start my own thing with, uh, Jordan, who was a programmer at Halfbrick as well. Yep. Um, and yeah, so I took it and, and, and we left. Um, did you did you see the writing on the wall at this point? Like, were you amongst, I guess, were you amongst the first to have been made this this golden handshake offer, or, or had you seen it occurring with others? And did that give you some time as a result to potentially start, I guess, cooking up ideas and plans? For, okay, well, looks like this is coming, and this is obviously me hypoth- hypothesizing at this point, but you know, I can see what's coming. What do you want to do? And you know, kind of try and get your ducks in a row as much as you possibly can, or did no. you really not see it coming? No, I mean, so it was like um, one week, um, KNL announced to the company that they were doing, they were offering golden handshakes to anyone who wanted to leave. Oh, they okay, didn't, right. They, they didn't offer it to me in particular. They were like, if you're, on, if you're unhappy here, take the money and go, um, basically. Um, and I was at that time the head of the prototyping team, uh, yep. making cool stuff, um, living the dream. Um, and then I, I was just really impulsive and I had a bad meeting with my boss and I went back to my desk and I quit. I took the handshake and I left. So, Fair enough. Um, yeah, like I'd been so tempted that uh, no, I just, that just pushed me over the edge. Definitely impulsive, um, but, you know, we live and we learn. Um, yeah, for sure. And Jordan decided to take it as well and so we sort of set off on our own. Was there any uh, conversing between the two of you about about the both of you taking it or was it really you've left and I've left let's yeah. do something together sort of thing I think, after I, went, the fact. I, think I, I took the handshake and then I walked past his desk and I was like hey I took the handshake you want to come um, and, and he was like can I think about it and I was like uh, yeah of course um, but yeah we'd worked together on Jetpack so I he was still on Jetpack while I'd moved off to the fun cool um, prototyping team, so I think he was like really ready to to do something different. 
Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, in games, it's like really fun to make something new. Like, it, oh, it, for sure. There is a there is a uh, a grind in live ops. You know, there's only so many updates you can do do before you lose that create, passion, the spark, that creative satisfaction. No, that's that's very fair, and I, yeah, I guess don't blame Jordan in that in that space at all. And so, when when the two of you did decide, okay, let's let's strike off on our own here and do our own thing, and ultimately form Apple Games, did you have an idea for where you would begin or at all, or like how long did it take before some of the ideas really got flowing and things that ultimately kind of became Speaking Simulator, um, which in itself is such a wild and crazy yet unbelievably awesome experience. Yeah, so um, we actually made another game before Speaking Simulator. Like we we made it and launched it um, called Astro Crash. It's just like oh, a yeah, okay. play um, mobile game. Um, so unheard of that it even um, got past your investigation. Um, Damn. Yeah, I know. Lived up my game. Uh, it it made yeah absolutely zero money for us. Um, I think there's you know it had ads. Um, that had you know you could buy uh, new spaceships and stuff. Uh, I don't think you can get it on the App Store anymore, but you can find trailer the trailer. Um, it's like a little, it was like a little cool swipe your ship around. You, you smash ships and and you can actually they drop junk that you can glue to you, so you get bigger and bigger. Um, kind of like a Katamari Galaxy in space. Oh yeah, okay, right. Yeah. Um, so that was really fun. We absolutely smashed that out. Um, just in my my sunroom like we we had three i was like jordan take a long weekend um and we'll start on monday um after we took the golden handshake um i came over to my place we both had laptops and we were just in our my sunroom um and we just started we spent a few days prototyping ideas um and then we decided that we wanted to explore this one and we and we we, we smashed it out um after that we were roughly out of money so, um, <laughs> roughly roughly had a few you know, cents to the name see the writing on the wall um that that game made yeah as i said zero money and we really wanted some money from it um so yeah we 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 started um lecturing at that point i still i had contacts with with um universities and i was like hey can we have we can we have hours to teach? Um, and obviously Jordan and I were fresh uh, industry knowledge, and and unis love that. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. So you know they gave us ten hours a week, and that was uh, at lecturing wages. It's enough to get by. Um, yeah, it keeps keeps money coming in the door and keeps you yeah. fed. Yeah, pays the rent, um, and you know you can get the occasional um, bowl of noodles. Uh, so yeah, we, we did that and um, we started working on Speaking Simulator, um, the, which you know was a very, very long development cycle because we were doing all of this other stuff on the side as well. Yeah, you're really only kind of half-time in a way. Uh, sorry, yeah, half-time in a way. Yeah, I'd say, I'd call it um, time. two-thirds timing. Yeah, okay. Two-thirds timing, yeah. Um, but, you know, we got there in the end. Oh, well, you, you make it work. And yeah, the final product was fantastic. I mean, I, I certainly remember kind of walking packed floors at points and you'd see it there. And I think I think the first time I'd spotted it, oh, do you even remember, what, what was the first year that you brought along to PAX, do you recall? Mm, PAX Australia. Uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, PAX Australia, I should say. 
2018, maybe. Yeah, right. Because, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly, like, I remember walking by and kind of having to, and I was I was already kind of doing media at that point, but I'm not sure. Maybe it must not. have just been one of those ones that has slipped through the radar or whatever, I guess a bit like your, your first work, apparently, that I couldn't find in the lead into the tonight's show. But um, I guess I'm not doing a very good job at this, am I? Um, no, it's my fault. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I remember walking the the show floor and and spotted it, and like it is such a really quite quirky idea that I, like it kind of got the double take from me, and then instantly, well, hang on, I'm going to go check this thing out. Like, I'm not doing my due diligence here. This thing's caught my interest. Let's go. Let's go have a look and and take it for a spin. And um, I was just I was instantly riveted by the the concept because it seems so. I don't know. It, I guess sorry at the time I should say it seemed so wild and mm. insane yet you start to engage with it and you're like oh no hang on there's and so like yeah it just it clicks yeah instantly clicks and and obviously then when when the the game finally came out in its full form later on I I got to re-experience those same feelings again mm. and you know very very happy doing so it's a, it's a really cool experience that just you know, never ceased to put a smile on the face, which is oh. the thing I, I guess I enjoyed the most about it when I played it on the show floor, but then when I got to finally play it when it when it launched. Oh my goodness, that's put a huge smile on my face. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm, not, so I'm, not, I'm not trying to chill, I promise. <laughs> I'm, I'm very chillable, so please. Our listeners, he's going to slip me a few hundred after after the show to, to say that. But no, uh, I mean, no, oh. the, the game is fantastic. And yeah, I, I had a great time with it. And I guess, what was it like? Uh, yes, obviously you were doing it kind of part-time there two-thirds time as we were saying um hmm. what was what was it like having to kind of develop a game like that that is this kind of i guess outside of the box sort of design at, at its core whilst doing it part-time whilst you know i mean this is you're, you're getting by with the the lecturing money and all those sorts of things it's you know it's keeping you afloat but again hmm. there's the, there's so much to that the, you know financially that's involved to keep yourself sustain financially day to day food on the table rent all you know all those sorts of normal expenses that come up yeah but then I, also dedicating funds to improving this game to bettering it to to getting yourself to a pax and, and showing it to the public all those sorts of things it's it's really hard um you know there were there were times when we would be uh you know we would take the the game over to to overseas somewhere yeah and we would have to go back to our hotel and grade papers. You know, it was, um, it, 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 it's a challenge. I, I do, and, and it, it wasn't just, you know, um, assignments, um, uh, lecturing. We were also doing contract work. We worked on steppy pants a little bit, um, doing updates to that, uh, other things. Um, yeah, it, it's just a lot of spinning plates which you know has kind of prepared me for my role now because there are so many things going on that i need to keep track of um and task switching is yeah. it's quite um it's a skill that you can learn you know like it, it can be quite a take take time for your brain to switch to another task and actually be creative to do it so i had to learn to be quick at that um and, and you know we also were the first recipients of Screen Queensland's first um, foray into funding seed funding games. The digital very humbling experience, I'd imagine. 
yeah, no, it was, it was, um, we didn't really get it. Um, so it was very exciting when we did. Um, and we, we couldn't have made speaking simulator without it. Um, and so that was, you know, I had to, I had to borrow, look back at my skills at half break when I was explaining to the CEO why this was going to make money, like it, or why it was going to work and who's the market yeah. for it. So, um, yeah, it, it just, uh, it just works and we, and we got the, the funding. And then I guess when, when the game finally came together, and obviously you, you mentioned that you were working on other little projects along the way. And I guess things like uh, Phantom Abyss, for example, I think if I've got this right, did I see that you had a little bit of involvement with uh, Mr. Shifty as well? Oh, yeah. um, and I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure a couple others along the way also, but I mentioned obviously how I, you know, my personal experience with the title there, but once, once the game is actually out and you've, you've gone through the process of publishing your own title, it's yours. It wasn't another company's that you were, you know, working for or lending your time to or assisting with. It's your project, something you kind of envisage from the ground floor. What was that like for you to kind of, I guess, pour through what the community was saying um, critics, all those sorts of things. What, what was that like for you? Um, it was fine. I mean, it okay. was like... It fairly was, easy, it an was, easy one for you to go through? It was, it was you know, uh, the game got so much coverage, um, whether it's by streamers with millions of views. Um, we got many, many millions of views through YouTube and other things, um, it it was like that. That would have been a really lovely experience, but it didn't convert to the sales that we needed. Yeah. Okay. Right. To continue, so it was a bittersweet. I would say, you know, like it was. Um, some of the reviews we got were like some of the most heartwarming, beautiful things I've I've ever read. Like. Someone was like, oh, playing this game with my daughter um, really brought us together during a hard time. And I was like, Jesus, that is the nicest. That's impactful. That's impactful. And that's, I, 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 that is, if I could probably distill while I'm making games, it's for those connecting, it's, it's crafting those connect moments of connection between people. Yeah. Um, and, and it was really, really lovely to, to have that and to get that exposure and, and the game is obviously like an amazing portfolio piece um yeah bittersweet because it didn't because we couldn't continue and yeah it's it, it's an interesting one in the sense that yes like that's why at its core so many people get into these creative endeavors but at the same time there's always this gnawing thing in the back of the mind like there, there's there's a bottom line there's again i go back to putting the food on the table and all those sorts of things and it's i guess that's a, that's a shame to hear that it despite all of that really positive um, reception there that it wasn't able to be on, on that kind of dollars and cents side, mm. what it needed to be for you. Yeah. I mean, it, um, it didn't, it didn't make, it didn't, uh, you know, I, just the amount of, of views it got, it was in the hundreds of millions, I think, um, like sort of dispersed across all of the streamers. Yeah, streams, different um, platforms and all that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, I was kind of like, oh, like, I guess everyone got what they wanted from Speaking Sim just by watching someone else play it, which is a connection, like a connecting moment. 
which it's nice, uh, but it's not. It's, it's nice. No, like I, I'm glad people had a had a lovely time, and I, it's nice knowing that millions of people um, laughed and had a good time thanks to my work. Um, but you know, and, and like don't get me wrong, I'm incredibly satisfied with Speaking Simulator and thankful that I got to make it and proud of what it is. Um, but yeah, it just didn't sell like we needed it to. No, that's that, that's fair enough, and I, I mean it's a shame, but obviously like sometimes these things happen, and and I mean it often leads to other really cool experiences, and obviously we've yeah we've mentioned you've worked on Phantom Abyss and uh, Miss Shifty along the way, and and mm. then it's led to like the culmination of all these experiences have led to some of your current work, where obviously you mentioned before getting support from Queen, uh, Screen Queensland, and now you're actually working there, which is really kind of cool. Yeah, it was, um, you know, so after Speaking Sim, we started working on another game. Um, we were getting ready to apply for more Screen Queensland funding. Um, yeah. And then Jordan got um, an amazing job offer um, and he'd just become a dad. So it was, it was coming, you know. A few other variables. A few other variables. He was like, yeah, like I can't do the um, balls to the wall indie thing anymore. Um, I need to take this. And um, I was like, great, cool, super happy for you. Um, then I spent a year working as a contract uh, game designer on Phantom Abyss. That was great. Um, amazing team, Team Wibby, like just ex Heartbreak as well. Um, I'd worked with them briefly before on Mr. Shifty being a, a level designer there. Yep. Um, and I mean, the game itself is a really fascinating concept too, and it's it's got that live component to it as well, which is really really quite cool. Yeah, um, Phantom of this. If I was going to screw up anything, it would be like the pack game is, is sick. Um, Please do. Like I, I was a big fan of it when I got to play. Um, I, I got sent a code last year and tried it out and had an absolute blast playing it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not typically. I mean, there's still a little dream in the back of the mind that I'll be able to pop uh, play it on a console at some point. But I was playing it on PC and was having an absolute ball doing so. Um, like I'm just, uh, I guess for anyone who listens, they kind of know that I'm not much of a PC PC gamer by default. Uh, certainly my current logistical situation is that my PC and whatnot is actually in my shed. It's kind of a half studio space. So there's, there's even a commute involved to have to, have to engage with a PC game these days. But even prior to that, um, mouse and keyboard wasn't always my, my number one thing. And so I've always gravitated towards having a controller in hand or whatever the case happened to be. Um, but when when the the game came out and I had the opportunity to try it out and especially that concept of you know, whoever it is that actually successfully gets to the end of the, this thing, it's it kind of knocks it off the list. And, you know, that's that's your accomplishment. No one else can really, well, no one else can do that. Um, and it was, I mean, it was a, it was a great fuel. Did I ever successfully beat one before anyone else? No, <laughs> but um, I had a great time doing so. Yeah, no, it's um, really, really unique um, in just the best way possible, creating that sense of satisfaction or, or lack thereof, um, yep. you know, sometimes. Um, yeah, just a real a real uh, treat to work on. Um, and but, but the, then the job uh, with Screen Queensland popped up and I was like, oh, I'm reading through this and it's like, it's probably perfect for me. Um, I should apply and just see. And then I got the interview and I was like, okay, I should go to the interview and just see. 
It was really difficult to like leave. Didn't ever really give yourself a chance from the sounds of it. Well, yeah, like I, like you went for it, but as in didn't fancy your chances of being successful. I guess I, I fancied them. It was just like leaving game development was yeah. was a scary prospect, and Team Wibby is is one of the best teams that I've I've ever worked with. Like making games, like it's and the, and the game itself, Fanabus is just amazing. Um, so yeah, you know, it was like I was like, oh, I know, I know, I should be doing this this screen Queensland job, um, and I'm incredibly happy that I did. Um, but yeah, more bit more bittersweetness. There's a there's a theme rolling through here, but mm. um, you've now been at. I mean, as of the time that we talk here, you've you've been screen a screen Queensland. I keep trying to merge these two words together um, for a few months now what is about six months I think December last year if I've got that right yeah Give or yeah. Take. Yeah. yeah and so it, the, the nature of this role as you say it's kind of it's not the the day-to-day active development that you've had in the past but you get to engage with so many really cool creators different titles big and small um, from developers of various different d- degrees of experience mm. What is what is that like? And I guess we, we kind of referenced spinning plates and all of that before. Mm. You're spinning a lot of them as a result of being a part of so many different people's games. What 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 is that like for you on, on the day to day? Um, so the day to day is, you know, I cover a lot of little meetings, whether it's, you know, a a developer who's confused about some aspect of the application process, um, or is open to have calls and, and cover those kind of questions. Um, then there's the whole process of figuring out and designing these programs um, of how to, you know, distribute these funds and, and how to assess and select which projects get funds and which ones don't. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's all that's all designing systems, which I've been doing as a designer for ages and ages. Um, so that work is really, really similar. Um, there's, you know, just people that I'm talking to now that, uh, just didn't really ever think that I would be talking to like, um, tune in people. This is where we start getting into all the spoils we were talking about before. Here's all the leaks and people at traded investment Queensland who are just trying yeah. to, um, government, um, creative arts, federal edition, all People in the UK, like the UK Chamber of Commerce, um, yeah, right? Okay, all sorts of strange kids. Because I mean, Queensland's offering to game developers is just with our fifteen percent with the federal tax offset. We'll go get into details later, but um, it's just an outrageously good um, opportunity for game developers. Um, that yeah, I've been I've been privileged enough to to work out the details to and, and launch. Yeah, I mean, something I've been talking about with guests that have come on the show previously, We, I mean, for a long time, my own state here in Victoria was kind of looked upon, and I guess you even made the trip down yourself to try and get into the scene. Like, Victoria was kind of looked upon as being the the Australian hotspot. And like, if you wanted to get in, that's where you needed to go. And what has really impressed me the most in over the course of the last few years is that Queensland and several other states as well have been, like, the the level of investment from on the state level has been increasing increasing and increasing and it's making all of these other various states more and more viable and we are seeing more 
fantastic titles that are emerging in different pockets of Australia. And that's, I mean, that's fantastic to see because as much as, you know, me, a Victorian, like I love everything in my backyard, it's nice to see what's going on elsewhere and to see what other ideas people have and, and just, I mean, there's there might be subtle because we're all still within Australia, but just some of those environmental differences and what just those cultures kind of can bring to the table. It's it's really quite cool to see. And I'm, I'm thrilled that, yeah, we see so many fantastic studios doing awesome stuff. Obviously, you know, fairly recent with Unpacking is one of the, the main examples coming out of the state at the moment. But, I mean, everyone's still asking questions about sports story and all those sort of, like, mm. I mean, there's there's some really cool titles coming out of Queensland and it must be really awesome to to be involved in those in various different capacities oh yeah I mean unpacking is so good because like I had near, zero involvement with it, with its development and and um launch um but I'm taking too much credit for it now as the <laughs> why wouldn't you right the, the game director of Screen Queensland um because it was it was uh supported by Screen Queensland um Unpacking actually got the same amount of funding that Speaking Simulator did. Yep. Um, so yeah, like part of my job is 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 advertising Queensland, and, and Unpacking just came along at the perfect time to um, highlight not just. I mean, I've been showing everyone why financially Queensland is the best place to make games. Um, unpacking is like yes, we have talent here in Queensland and it's two time up after award winning level talent. Um, yeah, there's not many places that can say that, right? No. Yeah. So it's uh it's 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 good. It's just it's just like the momentum that um we're building now is 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 real. It's significant. Um, I know it's only been a very in the grand scheme of things, it's only been a very short amount of time since unpacking first came out and and how it's been celebrated since with, again, things like BAFTAs and the like. But are you noticing, and I guess it is a, a short window of time even for you in the role, but are you noticing a change already off the back of that in terms of kind of engagement, people wanting to, you know, trying to get involved? I mean, we've uh, even just, even as of the time we talk, like unpacking has just made its way to PlayStation this week. So that's, like, I mean, in terms of getting the game out there in front of more eyeballs, like this, yeah. this uh, that one example is a game that's just continuing to grow and grow and grow and, presumably there are knock-on effects to these sorts of yeah i mean so loads. there's several knock-on effects that i can think of off the top of my head um you know if, if at some point i'm you know over at gdc and i'm talking to a ceo and i'm like hey you should start a studio in queensland and they're like why and then i'm like oh we've got all this money rah 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 uh, unpacking was developed there like if they've heard of unpacking like that you know says a lot um, so there's that, like they just are a super recognizable and respected um, game that we can we can say is is ours, is Queensland's. Um, the other one is that the success of it makes it really a lot easier for me to ask for more funding. Um, yeah, right. You know, like it's it's. Um, Baptists are good like that. Baptists are like film people. And government people who aren't in games, they know BAFTAs. Yeah. Um, they might not know the Agdas or they might not know the, the just the numerous tens of um, really prestigious game awards. Um, but they know what that statue means. They know BAFTAs. 
Um, so that is uh, really, really useful as far as like making an argument for prioritizing games more um, in Queensland. So, that's so do you have one. to get in touch with Tim and Ren on a daily basis and say, "Hey, I just I named you again. Like I, I'm name dropping you. I'm name dropping your achievements." <laughs> uh, Are they keeping no, count? I think uh, no. I just do it. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> I've I've definitely been in touch a, a couple of times with Ren. Um, you know, when I first started the role, I was like, "What do you want me to do?" I uh, I went around to all of the develop a bunch of developers. Um, around around Brisbane, Queensland, and I was like, "What should I do?" Um, and Ren was one of the first people, and um, that feedback was really, really valuable. Because um, Ren's really super passionate about making Queensland the best as well, um, and has been for a long time. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I just kind of I'm like. Maybe contractually, there's somewhere in, in like their old contract that says Screen Queensland will have to spook a Screen Queensland supported game and like just time for that. But um, yeah, no, it's it's so useful. Now, obviously, we, we've just kind of referenced spooking a little bit, and I think I think we should probably lean into it a little bit for a moment. So, because we do have developers that listen, we have um i mean people who've been in the industry for quite some time we've got local developers international ones and we've got people who are just coming through the industry now um like or sorry coming into the industry now they're completing their studies they're still uh, engaging their studies i should give you a moment to to pitch this properly for for our listeners here so we're obviously talking about the 15 percent and all those sorts of little things care to expand a little bit upon all that yeah um so um there's a lot of factors um, supporting the games industry in Queensland from federal level to state level to local council. Um, so federal one is a 30% um, tax offset that's coming in in a month or so, um, next financial year. So that is a 30% um, return on um, when you claim that uh, during tax time. Um, that's got a cap of 20 million. Um, so it's very, very accessible to basically any game studio in Australia that I can think of. Um, that is, uh, the first step. Then below that yep. is state support. So that's kind of where I come in. Um, we have the digital games incentive, which is a 15% return on investment or, or sorry, expenditure. Um, and that is not, it doesn't subtract from the federal level at all. Um, they add together to 45%. Very nice. Um, yeah. So it's, it's like just a, a deal that's too good to be true, especially if you're like an international, you know, looking in at our Australian dollar, um, you, you can put a dollar into, into Queensland and it just multiplies, um, right away. Uh, so yeah, the 15% that I manage is, is wages. So there's all sorts of stuff that what's eligible expenditure and what's not eligible. Um, you have to be spending a minimum of $250,000 on a game over two years. Yeah, okay. Um, so I insisted on the two years thing because I was basically thinking about me and Jordan. So uh, two years, $250,000 divided by people 
that's basically a two person studio working on a, on a game, paying themselves like six, 65,000. Yeah. That adds up to 250. So, very, very accessible to um, studios, like even, even micro ones. Um, so, they, those are the two big ones. Um, otherwise, my, like, my support and, and things that I'm doing to sort of like build the industry here is the game grants. So that is yep. seek funding for um, startups, really. So we fund prototype, vertical slice, slash um, early access projects and full productions. And each of those three tiers has um, different funding caps. So prototypes, you can ask for $20,000. Um, vertical slice is 50 and um, full production is, is 90,000. So um, yeah, cool. like a, a lot of a lot of money thrown around there. Um, just you know, that's a vibrant um, indie community is just good for everyone. Like it upskills, um, it creates. Um, it's the rising tide lifting all boats, right? Yeah, you know, and it, it also encourages the, the industry to be uh, resilient. You know, back in 2006 when the blue industry collapsed, yeah. um, that was mostly because our Australian dollar reached parity um, with, with the US dollar. Um, and so suddenly your Australian studios were like 30% more expensive. Um, and so you know, the global financial crisis is happening and you're trying to cut costs. So, of course, you just cut off the Australian branch if you're, like, in America. Oh, for sure. And there's some really uh, sad stories around that. Yeah, super sad. Um, so, you know, the good thing about having a vibrant indie community is, like, they own the, the IP. The money that they're earning comes back into Brisbane. Into their pocket. Into their pocket. And, you know, supporting that and growing that means that you have also got the chance for sort of explosive growth that you see um, in unpacking um, and potentially Phantom Abyss um, where, you know, the, these companies have potential to just explode really, really quickly depending on how they sell. So yeah, love indies, love the game grants. Um, and then I'm doing a bunch of stuff as well to create pathways. This is where I can't sort of talk about stuff a lot. Um, to, create, to create more pathways for um, emerging developers, graduates, people who just haven't been able to get into the industry. Yeah, um, makes sense. Programs for them to have space to to upskill and then meet uh, employers. Um, and then to further dig in, you know, um, the Gold Coast and the Sunshine Coast are shockingly competitive against each other. And if a studio is looking at establishing itself in Queensland, they, they both have funds and incentives um, designed to sort of tip um, the scale to each one. Um, Gold Coast has an ecosystem that's existing. They have some incentives. Sunshine Coast has, you know, the cable that they laid, the submarine internet cable that they laid down. Oh, yeah, okay. So the internet is just wild at, at Pudulcha right now. Um, so all sorts of stuff. Uh, and then Treasury has if you're a really, really big studio looking to move to Queensland, Treasury just has a bunch of money that they can throw at you um, if you pitch them right. So 
that's Queensland at the moment. Yeah, I mean, there's there's multiple layers of support there that's really really fascinating, and especially especially that kind of that last bit there. I did I didn't realize it kind of had the Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast kind of jostling against one another there in that in that respect. That's that's really quite cool, and um, certainly I guess paints a very rosy picture for anyone who's looking to get in development who either is currently based in Queensland is looking to try and get started, or potentially is looking at a a sea change in in a way as well, or or resettling elsewhere. Like that's that's yeah. some pretty cool incentives to to make your way across. So certainly something for people to keep in mind. Now mm. my next question here, um, not sure whether you're willing to answer or not, because and I could totally understand why you wouldn't. You're obviously overseeing lots of different projects okay. in very yeah. different various different capacities at the moment. I hate to do this to you, but do you have something that for you personally and your personal tastes really speaks to you? Like, is there a title there that you're able to talk about, of course, um, that is really, for whatever reason, you and your personal taste, that's the one that you've got just an extra half an eye on? And not in a preferential basis, just to be clear. We're not suggesting any of that, but mm. just you mm. and your gaming sensibilities, it, it speaks to you and you keep an eye um... on Understanding if you don't want to answer that, of course. No, I, I, there's nothing I can really talk about, I don't think. No, that's fair. They're all unannounced. Um, so it wouldn't even be breaking um, the Screen Queensland NDA. It would be breaking um, various other NDAs. NDA. Um, yeah, so no, I'm sorry, I can't. No, uh, no, I can totally respect that. I'm, I'm not going not gonna to judge you whatsoever for that. Um, but <laughs> that, that, that said, the fact that it's like some of these some of these games that you personally are really really excited for are things that we publicly don't know about yet. That in and of itself is really exciting. Oh, there's heaps for me going personally. On. So so much going on, you have no idea. It's it's no, I don't. That's really frustrating me now. <laughs> yeah, sorry. yeah, no, 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 no right. idea, and I'm not going to tell you. Um, uh, that, that's a shame. Sorry about that. Well, while you keep your secrets about some of the really cool titles that are to come out of Queensland there, and we all wait with bated breath to see what some of those are, we'll start to wind things down a little bit and I guess zero in a little bit more on you again as opposed to some of the titles and the projects that you're overseeing. Is there anyone out there that you've worked with or that you look at from afar that really inspires you and go uh, about the way you go about your work, whether that was whilst you're actually in kind of the more active development side or even in the nature of what you do today? Hmm. Tough question. I try not to um, idolize uh, people in the industry. Um, yeah, sometimes that can end in in disaster. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's you know I've definitely had like um, design inspirations and mentors. Um, Luke Muscat was yep. sort of my first ever design teacher. Um, and I went from being, you know, graduate level designer to uh, semi-professional level with his help. So um, always big to, to what he, he says. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do think I need to sort of start, now that I'm in this new role, looking at who my, my new role model might be as far as um, inspirations go. Um. Yeah, no, no, no. It's not. It's not a, a habit that I try to get into. No, no, that, that that's totally fair enough. I mean, as you said yourself, sometimes like the the people that you look up to and that you idolize can ultimately 
I mean, there's that saying, don't meet your heroes and all those sorts of things like that. That That is a saying for a reason sometimes. It's not all the time, oh. thankfully, but like that is a thing. And so, I mean, I think the nature of any business is, uh, creative or not is like you take a little bit from this person you take a little bit from that person and what like what you build the like is an amalgamation of lots of people's strengths and learning from their weaknesses and all those sorts of things so it's not necessarily a bad thing not to have one person i like in fact i quite applaud that so yeah i um you know i I just really respect all of the work that um a few people have done um and and i'm thankful for the the others who have just had really strong impacts on me as I as I um, sort of get better at all of this. Yeah, mm. I guess. And to that point, have there been any particularly valuable lessons or experiences you've had along the way that I guess really stick out and and still maybe guide you a little bit today? Lessons, gosh, uh, yeah, all sorts of all many many lessons. Like uh, me from from five years ago is. And I'm sure this is a really common thought that everyone has is, is I look back and they're just like an idiot. Um, but yeah, you know, it's from, from when I moved to Melbourne, that was probably the first big career lesson where I was like, oh, I can't just sort of like expect things to fall in my lap. Um, you have to be realistic about stuff. Um, there was a, there was a, a while where I, I, I spent, you know, becoming more open to feedback and less defensive about that. That was a really important lesson. It can uh, be a challenging one too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's um, a bit of um, ego there that needs to, to be removed. Um, yeah. But like, that's probably the biggest, um, the biggest one for me. It's like that, that, feed, that just being open to feedback and it yep. still gets me to this day. Um, you know, it's it's not like one of those one of those lessons you can learn and it's done because it's, it's a feeling something you're always working up. on. It's a feeling that comes up that you need to process, and sometimes that processing can be better or worse at certain times in your life. Um, and then there's Makes just sense. sort of like professionalism stuff. Like um, it's really easy because it's such a friendly, open. Um, collegiate industry uh that there is like a professionalism that you need to sort of like focus on and and and, and learn yeah um so yeah those are those are sort of big ones to me no i understood and they, yeah i mean they're all really valuable things so um they're great things to pick up uh, pick up on along the way mm. now a couple of fun ones as we wrap things up okay if you could go and add your name into the credits of any game that has ever existed retroactively add your name in there and be in some way responsible for it. it could be big could be small you could be mm-hmm. leading the project you could have just contributed to one aspect of a title that you think was really really cool mm. what game would you have loved to have been a part of um do i get rev share? big or small do i get do i get rev share sure yeah if, oh. if that's if that's an important part of it uh fortnite i guess i don't know <laughs> okay uh, yeah rev share from fortnite would be a handy one right yeah yeah it's um no, I, I don't know. It's uh, it's just it's a strange question because it's I didn't I didn't work on it. Um, I I really would love to work on um, Divinity. Oh yeah, okay. The original With series. Larian. It's, yeah, Larian. Um, 
yeah, I really, really admire that studio uh, and, and would love to, to work there someday. No, that, that's a very, very cool title. Oh, series of titles there, and obviously they're busy at work at uh, on Baldur's Gate 3 at the moment, but um, they do some cool stuff over there. Yeah, super pumped. And, you know, that, that title and, and the team just would be would have been great to be part of. Yeah. Hmm. If you could go back and replay any game, for the, like strike the game from your memory and get to experience something for the first time all over again, is there a game that you'd pick? Journey. Just, like, which one was that, sorry? Journey. Ah, there we go. So we're back. I think the last episode we joked about the fact that uh, I think we'd had about four or five people in a row before before the before Journey wasn't cited in the last episode. We're back, everyone. So, um, yeah, it's such an influential influential title, right? I don't know. It's um, or impactful, yeah, I should say. There are games like Rocket League that I play all the time and resent sometimes, but I still play it. Um, and then there's Journey that I play maybe once at decade and I, and I look at it it's like that is probably the best thing i've ever played i'll see you next decade <laughs> um, <laughs> when uh all my brain cells that have you are dead <laughs> yeah i mean look it, it is one of those incredible games that yeah resonates on a level that i don't think very many games have mm. and certainly based on uh my sample size of guests on the show seems to resonate with uh a very large proportion of the the game development scene, because um, that answer comes up a lot for that specific question. So, yeah, I wish I was more unique. Unfortunately. No, 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 but like it, ah. I think it, it paints it paints a, a quite a picture for what that game company achieved back in twenty twelve. I think it is at this point. It's ten years yeah. old. Ten years old that game. Yeah, it's we're I'm getting we're getting on. Oh yeah. Um, I guess, I mean, does that mean I'm due for another play? I guess. You I would guess. be. It's yeah. been 10 years. I think Good. I think I saw like Austin Wintery and and, and, several, and Troy Baker and um, oh, I'm, sure there, I'm sure there was more involved. Like they, they, they might have put up some live orchestral thing recently and I, yeah, I think it's in the last month or two and I've been meaning to go and catch it because so, they're celebrating the 10 years. So I'll, I'll nice. journey's on the mind. Yeah. That would be amazing. I remember I, I saw Austin Wintry do like a video game orchestra um, yep. thing in Queensland once. It was, it was so good. Um, Still I a dream guest, Austin. Was. I'll have to try and find a way to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, he actually interviewed um, Jeff Van Dyke, the, the audio music person for... Yes, game, game Maker's Notebook, uh, just in yeah. the last little little while, so... Yeah, I guess yeah. if, if you want to go check out another show that uh, also speaks to various people in the game development scene, Game Maker's Notebook is a fantastic one. So please go check that out. I'm not afraid to uh, pump up the, the competition. <laughs> you're about, well, Jen, you're you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. You can you can start talking about all the game, all the really awesome games from New South Wales and Victoria and South Australia whenever you like. But they're not quite as well. They didn't win any Baftas, did they? Mm, no. I mean, your, your, your podcast audience probably can't see my face, but I'm like, it's scrunched. Yeah, yeah scrunched. No, we're not going to give them any any breathing room whatsoever. The, com- huh. uh, the competition is fierce, people. Mm. Well, Jed, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this journey so far. There's uh, so many cool chapters to come, I, I feel, based on what we've seen so far and what you're involved with right now. So I'm really fascinated to see where that goes. If 
our listeners want to get in touch or just keep tabs on what you personally are up to, where would they be best to go? Social media platforms, etc. Yeah, look, um, I used to, it used to be Twitter, but um, I gave up on Twitter uh, a while ago. Um, so I think I'm a LinkedIn person now. Yeah, it's a, that's fair enough. Isn't that, we, isn't that gross? It was a handy um, resource for me. Yeah, I, um, it's, it's just like a... a I can't handle Twitter. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Jed Dawson. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can Google me. Uh, please add, add me. Yeah, please, please absolutely do that. And yeah, keep tabs on all the awesome things that you're engaging with on a on a day to day basis. As especially as those start to become public, we're in a really good place as a nation in the game development scene. But Queensland is doing some really cool stuff, and you're involved in a lot of it. So. It's an exciting time for you. I feel like every day must be really, really exciting for you. Oh, there's so much. I, uh, my, my boss... scary at points with the amount that is going on, but... Yeah, it's, a, it's okay. My boss had to, had to slow me down there. She was like, yeah, that's a great idea, but... Um, Take a breath for a moment. We'll do that later when you've done all this other stuff. Uh, that's fair. Yeah, it's very exciting. Thank you so much for having me. No, not a problem. Yeah, as, as I said before, like, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this journey so far. It's been really fascinating. Hmm. Ah, it's been a pleasure. I've, I've really, really enjoyed this. And listeners, as always, thank you much for listening. I'll see you next time. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you'd like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until our next episode, however, it's been Jed's story. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.